What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple places on the internet. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, or maybe you're listening to us later on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. It's all good. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We appreciate it. And Pete, I really wanted to thank you for when I say, okay, quiet, we're about to start the show. You just, like, make the most noise possible. I, I love it. You know, this is your fault, too, Alex. I, I can't hear you, Crackle Alex. McGee. Oh, uh, you're crackly. You're crackling. Oh, Justin's you're crackling. This is going to be a good show. What? Yeah, you're crackling again, man. You're uh, crackling you froze, hard and snapping. You crackle. Kirby, Kirby crackle? No, no, not the good Kirby crackle. Hey, Kirby crackle. crackle. That's a fun shout the, out. The uh, kind that's uh, you know disturbing for an audio podcast. Yeah, now it's worse. Yeah, no, way worse now. There we go. Uh, well, that's cool. I'm sure we'll figure out this thing with Justin. Maybe he'll use his regular headphones or something like that. But we have two amazing guests for you. Just a note uh, for anybody tuning in. Uh, Jeffrey Brunn, who was supposed to be on the show, unfortunately couldn't make it due to a bit of an emergency. He's fine, I think. Um, but we have two other great guests for you on the show. Later on the show, we're going to have Van Jensen is going to be here to talk. Why don't we bring in our first guest now? Ladies and gentlemen, James Aquilone. Hello, James. Hey. Uh, th thanks so much for joining us. So your project is on Kickstarter now. It's called Dead Detective Society, and it's very cool, a very nostalgia, I mean, nostalgia to the max throwback book that's collected some great folks together uh, for this book that, as you can tell from this title, is a little bit supernatural inflected, very detective inflected. Um, looking at your background and everything, you are somebody who is very into this era, this genre, throwback things, what is it that draws you to that period in particular, or broadly speaking, period? See, now when you say that, it sounds like I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we no. should mention you're 100 years old, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. So I was around during that time, and um, yeah, so I mean, being an old guy, you know, I grew up with Star Wars, <laughs> Indiana Jones and all that stuff was based yeah. on the old uh, movie serials of the 30s. So uh, once I learned that, then I started getting into uh, Flash Gordon and, and Buck Rogers. And when I was a kid, uh, PBS started to run those shows in the afternoon. So I started to watch ah. crazy stuff like Phantom Empire, which is like a Gene Autry uh, thing, oh, wow. with a cowboy. Underneath his ranch is like this whole like like technologically advanced uh, civilization. So it's like all this crazy stuff. So I really love that stuff and uh, and it's educational if it's on PBS. So like, oh, it is. Oh yeah. man, yeah. crackle over here. <laughs> that would be you know and but my favorite movie of that time wasn't Star Wars. It was, it was Flash Gordon. Okay. Nineteen eighty mm -hmm. Flash Gordon movie. I was obsessed with that. So I, I would just I love pulp. So I just love always combining pulp with anything nice. else I'm doing, you know. So uh, I already have a dead detective. I, I have dead Jack zombie detective. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to put him in a book with with uh, with, with, with authors who are much more famous and successful than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, talk about this project a little bit because this is a awesome mashup of creators. But was there was there a guiding principle behind it? Was it coming out of the title and then saying like, run with it there? How did you organize it? I'm always fascinated how people put together anthologies in particular. Well, I think, like I said, I, I do Dead Jack, the zombie detective. And I wrote that story, the first short story years and years ago. And um, I didn't do anything with it because I didn't think anybody would be interested in this zombie detective. So years later, when I thought, okay, let me try to get this published somewhere. 
I figured, let me Google it, because I thought it was like a super original idea. I thought no one else had ever thought of a zombie detective before. But let me just Google it so it doesn't, you know, maybe I have some elements of it that are similar to someone else's. And I found out there were a couple of zombie detectives already out there. <laughs> Tim Wagner has a, has a series called Necropolis, and he mm-hmm. has a zombie detective kid named Matt Richter. And then Kevin J. Anderson had um, Dan Shamble. So... I'm like, okay, so I, I did have to change a few things because my world was also called Necropolis. So I had oh. to change that. Um, so then fast forward a few years, and all of a sudden I'm working with Tim Wagner. He, he's been all, in all my projects so far. And uh, I did a few things with Kevin J. Anderson. And over the years, some people have like even accused me of ripping off Dan <laughs> Shamble. So I, uh, one of the ideas down was like, you know what? I'm going to put Dan Shamble in a book with my character. And we'll just see what people think of that. So that was really where it started with, with me and uh, Tim and Kevin. I said, let's put a lot of zombie detectives in one book. So originally it was just going to be zombie detectives. But then it felt like very one note if we were just going to go with zombie detectives. So I said, you know, let's expand on it and just and make it more of a supernatural detective thing. Let's let's kind of pretend they're all in this one society. They're all, you know. So then I brought in uh, Steve Niles who has uh, uh, a supernatural detective, uh, Cal McDonald, and uh, uh, Moloch, who who I guess is a zombie. And uh, Nancy Collins has Sonya Blue, who's a a vampire slayer, but she also does some investigative stuff. And then um, I wanted to also then have people also create their own supernatural detectives or zombie detectives or whatever, and, uh, and then put them all in my book. So this is going to sound very reductive, and I apologize about it in advance, but I I think... Obviously, there's been millions and millions of detective stories out there. There are so many detective novels. There's so many supernatural stories. So it's not like the genres mash together even are necessarily limited. But I think, you know, you look at something like we're looking at the cover for anybody who's listening here, and it's very noir-inflected. There's certain tropes to noir. There's also certain tropes to supernatural. Beyond varying up the monsters, how did you make sure that you varied the stories, that it wasn't grizzled detective drinking at his desk a monster comes in and is like i need you for my monster job and he's like you know gets sucked into a heady underworld of monsters how do you make sure that it's not that same noir tropey storyline every line every time out of the gate yeah that that was an issue because you see like there's at least two guys with fedoras right. yeah <laughs> Three or four guys with a lot of them were smoking too so. <laughs> classic so, wardrobe yeah here's the thing smoking very cool we can all agree on okay. that but when you're dead not a problem yeah, exactly. That's the time to do it. Yeah. And my guy, yeah. he's, he's addicted to fairy dust, so it's not really... Ooh, it's not wow. for kids. Oh, not uh, gotta stay off the dust, man. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the issue. That's why um, I want to expand on it. So I did invite other uh, authors who had different backgrounds. We have Rena Mason, who's a, uh, an Asian-American uh, author. And so she brought in a very different type of detective who the name is Gingy Fox, so she's like a fox spirit. Nice. And it's oh, a yeah. very interesting character. See, she's like a, she's a death investigator, and that takes place in uh, 1906 San Francisco. Uh, so I wanted to do more stuff like that, even things that are more like um, that are based on other cultures. So I thought that would be interesting mm. uh, for the other detectives. And yeah, I wanted to get away from because yeah, you when you talk hard boiled detective, everyone's kind of thinking of like the Raymond Chandler and uh, Dashiell Hammett type of detective and and that's been done and parodied to death um even Did when you to and, death 
Yeah. Death, <laughs> right? I was thinking of death. You know, almost all of my books have uh, all characters. The word death is in them. Hmm. So it's, it's a theme. Let's get into that. As your therapist, I think it's important <laughs> yeah. to really get to the bottom of this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, let's talk about the Kickstarter instead. Uh, I didn't mention this yeah, at the congrats. beginning, but yeah, congrats. Uh, your goal. Seems to be going well. Yeah. Killing it. Looking for 4000 bucks right now with eight days to go. You are at over $21,000 on the Kickstarter. So wow. that's doing great. Um, that has to be a little bit of a relief, at least, to be at that level. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we, we, we got illustrations are going to go with every story. So that gets a little expensive. Um, so I want to do like really cool looking books. Mm-hmm. And uh, that does cost money. I think I was on the show before when, we, when I was doing Kolchak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And that was super expensive. <laughs> raising over $100,000. Wow. Wow. But almost all, all of that went into the book because uh, it was almost a 200 page graphic novel. Wow. Uh, so that wow. was really expensive. But two days ago, I won the Bram Stoker Award for Best Graphic Novel. Yay! Wow. Yay! That's uh, awesome. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, wow. That is a cool award. Yeah. Uh, a little door that opens up. Oh, my God. Does Brent Stoker live in there? That looks heavy. It is. Heavy. It's a 10 pounds. Yeah. It, it uh, just happens to be sitting next to me. Uh-huh. Uh, Wait, what does it say in that little door when you open up that was so cool looking? It has my name and the, the name of the award. Is that like bronze? What is the? <laughs> what is that meant? I think it's just made out of resin. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Pete does a metallurgy cool. book club as well as comic book club. So yeah, it yeah. was supposedly designed by Holland Allison. Wow, it oh. is an amazing looking building, and that is a cool award to get. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. The first person to win the award was uh, Alan Moore. Oh wow, that's so awesome! And you stole his award from his house, is I believe what happened, right? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, so uh, just to get back to the Kickstarter for a second, since that is successful, you've been able to unlock a bunch of stretch goals beyond the book, which, as you mentioned, is text stories with illustrations paired with them. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what else can people expect if they pledge the Kickstarter at this point? Well, we have uh, actually a whole other reward, which is a, I'm launching a magazine called Monstrous. So we're going to have this monster horror magazine, mm-hmm. but that's going to have comics in it. So it's going to be a blend cool. of comics and some pro stories and, and articles. And the first, uh, we have two comics in there. Nancy Collins wrote uh, this monster, like classic monster story, where all the classic monsters just beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> really cool. So we got like every classic monster in there, even um, a Godzilla type. It's not actually Godzilla. Can't say that. <laughs> Godzilla and the King Kong and everything that is, you know, it's really cool. And then I'm doing uh, my first Dead Jack comic oh, in wow. there. So, uh, and then we'll have a reprint of uh, Pulp Legend, Michael Avalone's, uh his first short story. And oh, his nice. son is David Avalone, who does the Elvira comics. Yeah, yeah. He's going to write an essay about his father and his legacy and all that. And uh, so the magazine's going to be very cool, too. Awesome. Nice. Uh, that's great. So, what. Ah, sorry, I have a little fly going in front of me. I think it has something to do with the dead subject matter. Uh, so, eight days left. What are you pushing for here? What are you hoping? Uh, what What's your dream goal at this point? Are you going to lock more stretch goals, or at this point, are you just riding out the wave? No, I want to. Uh, hopefully, when we get to twenty five, then we're going to 
give out another. Everyone who gets their physical reward will get a five by seven print. Hmm. Oh, nice. so we, are, we already locked two of them. So if you get the paperback right now, you're going to get two two prints. Um, I think we're going to get the um, the Sonia Blue. That's the Nancy Collins character. And the second one is um, it's really cool. This is a Nick Carter. Uh, David Avalone, you know, the oh, Nick yeah. Carter is uh, old pulp. He goes before pulp uh, detective. The first Nick Carter um, story was was actually published a year before Sherlock Holmes. Oh. Or, or, earlier than Sherlock Holmes. And um, but in the 1960s, Nick Carter was kind of refashioned into like a James Bond spy uh, character. And um, David Avalone's father, Michael Avalone, wrote a bunch of those novels. So oh, he's cool. reviving him and doing him as that that type of character, kind of more of a spy thing, and it's a really great story. It's very very pulpy, very like action packed, and and it's really really cool story. And I think he's now going to start doing more of those stories. So uh, hopefully, like in in uh, future, because this is going to hopefully going to be a series. So like we're going to hopefully do Dead Detective Society every year. So nice. I'm hoping that then we'll have like more Nick Carter stories, and I'm hoping like he does um, novels and then comic books with this character because it's it's a really cool story and it's a really cool concept. Where it's kind of like a Captain America thing, where it's like Nick Carter died like around World War II, and now he's revived like 20 years later, and he's not like you know he's in the 60s. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, awesome, James. This project is so cool. It was uh, great seeing you again. I'd say good luck on the project, but obviously you don't it. need it. You're already <laughs> killing it. No, always um, use more money though. There you go. <laughs> Bring it in. Thank you, James. Have a great night. Yeah, yeah. take care, man. Great Thank seeing you. Thank you. All right. Uh, there we go. Uh, Pete, can you give me big ups for when he said you're going to get two prints? I didn't say prints who adore you. No, nice job, dude. Well that's done. What I, that's what I say now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, man. That I mean, first off, his stuff is amazing, and... Um, you know, just so happy for him as far as like killing his goal, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, just keeps it being able to do his stuff because it's great work and it's really unique and fun. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all right, cool. why don't? Oh, hey, Justin, what's going on? Great, great, good, doing great. <laughs> Glad you can make it. I mean, man, how cool was that? I'd be here report? the whole time. Well, well you were and you weren't. Every time you opened your mouth, it was stressful. like. <laughs> Okay, cool. You've never had a problem in your life. Great. Oh, you're great. Oh, now it seems yeah, that when no, you get too close, that? yeah, when you get yeah, too close, I'll you take start your notes crackling. offline. I'll take your notes offline. Yeah, don't get yeah. too close to the mic. It crackles. Just use your regular. You use your computer mic. Nobody will mind. It's all right. Is that Just, good now? No, nope. no, it's worse. Oh, great. It's very bad. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, while Justin's figuring that out, Justin, just take out your blue snowball. It's gonna be fine. Just talk over the computer mic. Um, we're going to yeah. bring it our next we're going back to basics. Hey, oh, there wow. we go. Um, all right. Why don't we bring in our next guest? He is the uh, man behind Zoop's Stardust, the super wizard uh, anthology that's coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, Van Jensen. Van, hello. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, so you have the Zoop project. This is pretty wild the genesis of this i think in particular because correct me if i'm wrong but you basically threw out on twitter like man i'd love to do some stories on this and a bunch of amazing creators just like you were like i would also love to do this and now <laughs> you're doing it that's incredible that's yeah. why we keep twitter around you know yeah yeah for now for now <laughs> uh, yeah right on the yeah. edge of that yeah, no, I might like I've I've had the thought like after this campaign, like I might just 
might just nuke my account because it's mm -hmm. like well, you know go go out on top right exactly uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like literally literally just a goof of like i've loved stardust forever and was talking about it with uh jesse lonergan who's drawing my next graphic novel and we were like yeah it'd be cool to do something so it's just like hey like what about an anthology and i think it was like 500 replies wow, wow. Oh, man that's got to be so satisfying yeah man that's got to feel it, good I mean, it, it it was. I also like fully recognize this is about Stardust, who is like the you know the most amazing comic book character ever, and not about me. But um, okay, yeah, well, wait, can, we, can I interrupt there for a second because we've been doing right. a comic book show for a while. I I don't know who this is. I'm sorry. I maybe oh, this makes okay. me a terrible comic book fad. But I saw this and I was like, that's Miracle Man, right? But it's not Miracle Man. He's a wow, super wizard, which is an entirely different thing. Who is Stardust? Yeah, so for those who don't know, Stardust is like contemporary with the earliest Superman. So like mm -hmm. 1939, this guy named Fletcher Hanks, you know, he's it, it's like comic books are exploding. So everyone's making comics, right? And, they're, and every publisher is just hunting to like make, you know, make their own superheroes. So there was fantastic comics and they just like had a bunch of different people telling different stories and... Uh, Hanks had he had a few different strips, but you know from the beginning it was Stardust and it was Fantoma, and so Fantoma is actually the first ever uh, female superhero, which is kind of a, a cool oh, wow. fun history. fact. Um, and she's the like some people have seen her is her face turns into a skull and she protects the jungle. It's basically, nice, cool. <laughs> um, love it. And, and Stardust, like the thing that made Stardust kind of stick out and like become this cult thing is it's like imagine if R. Crumb was riffing on like 60s Silver Age sci-fi superhero comics mm -hmm. but he was doing that like non-ironically in 1939 <laughs> um, it's it's wild it's he's just this guy who has like every issue it's a different power set He's really obsessed with killing racketeers. That's like, <laughs> that's his MO. Um, and, and it's like horrific. Like he, he, he dispatches bad guys in like the most awful, weird ways. And every issue is just like, what, what on earth? Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, just like ultimate like B movie type stuff. And yeah, like I've, I've just loved it forever. And then there were, um, uh, Fantagraphics put out an omnibus of like all of the original strips, uh, that I think is, is reprinting this year. And it's like, if, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't read it, um, well, you know, if you like superheroes, you will enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it sounds like with this, what I will loosely call a concept for a super wizard, it seems like it gives you really free reign for an anthology like this where you can go in absolutely any direction. Yeah, like I, I had one, I did one interview and, and they asked me, like, so like what, you know, you created a Bible of like rules for the different creators. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, there are. I, I did the opposite because <laughs> I think that that, you know, to to put all these restrictions on people would be, you know, against the spirit of the original thing. Like the whole deal is like, it's strip to strip. It totally changes. So yeah, yeah, we have, have, uh, 
uh, Shane and Garrity uh, doing doing a story about Frost Fluff, the Super Cat. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, you had yeah, my Frost Fluff. Yep. Um, and yeah, so people. What I love is it's like it's a mix of hyper underground creators, uh, kind of mid tier indie creators, and then like you know, like me, people have done both, and some just like mainstream superhero people. And everyone's just pushing like the weirdest, weirdest direction that they possibly can. Um, and then there's going to be one like meta story that weaves all of it together that Pete Woods and I are doing together. That's um, it's uh, it's about a super powerful alien called the editor who uh, <laughs> comes to Earth Uh-oh. and and sucks stories out of people's brains and then is like reviewing the stories to see if if humans are rational enough to to merit survival. Um, so of course, then like the stories he's he's reviewing are the stories of the anthology. Mm. Uh, that's awesome i'll ask you a similar question to what we asked our last guest and and you've kind of touched on this a little bit but when you're putting together an anthology what's important to you in terms of flow like you do have all these very disparate stories but how do you make sure there's still a arc to what's actually going into the book yeah i mean that was really critical to me just in that and and nothing against these kinds of books like i've contributed to a lot of these books but there's sort of the the typical like comics anthology of just like you know 200 one-page stories and for me as a reader um i just i i can't get into it it's um you know it's like i can read about 10 and then i get bored and then you know maybe come back to it later but Mm -hmm. i wanted a smaller number of bigger stories uh which you know, that was honestly the, like the hardest thing with all of this was there were so many people that reached out. Like I, I literally hundreds of people I had to say no to, including like re- really good friends of mine, a lot of really good friends. <laughs> um, but so, you know, part of it was kind of curating like who, who the people are. And then my role as editor, you know, I'm, I'm like, doing line edits and all that stuff. But a lot of it is working with the creators on their story ideas so that, you know, everything is very different, but that there are enough kind of touch points and similarities that, and there's still going to be a lot of arranging to like, yeah, like you said, like make it feel like it all kind of comes together and it'll have these interstitials where we'll go back to this editor character you know, we'll, we'll go into some of the stories and go back to him as he's just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it looks <laughs> different. And like, the power doesn't, you know, the power changes story to story. And like, what, like, what is all of this? Um, so I think that that device will kind of help, help unify. And like, it's almost like, I don't know if you guys have read the Meta Barons, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, the Meta Baron story, like, it, there are these, uh, these robots, like these little robots that are like narrating the story that are kind of comedic that you go back to from time to time that, that sew all of these different stories together. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I have a very businessy question. I don't know if you're able to talk about this, but like you said, you have a lot of amazing creators on this book, including yourself, who's worked professionally in comic books for years. How do you how do you work out the pay structure for something like this? Like, do you uh, no legitimately? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm curious. Happy, like, I, I think I think in comics we should talk more about money. Yeah. Yes. 
I mean, how do you work it out? Are you giving them saying like, hey, we're going to give you a Marvel DC uh, page rate? Are you saying like, we're going to give you something on the back end? How did you approach people like this and get them on board other than isn't it fun to do the Super Wizard? (laughs) Yeah. So people actually just like said that they would do stuff for, you know, like day one, like, hey, I want to do something. Can I do something? And not expecting any money. Um, You know, my belief is that the creators should get paid as much as they can get paid out of the deal. Like creators are vastly undervalued if anything. So the way that we're approaching it is one, all, uh, all revenue is divvied up. So, mm-hmm. oh, great. you know, whatever, whatever we make on the back end, you take like the total page count and then you go creator by creator, like how many pages you contributed and that, that sets up, you know, your percentage of the share of the total. And mm-hmm. all all revenue is going to go out. You know, we're um, we're talking to a few different publishers about kind of being the publisher of record to get it into comic shops on the back end of this. Um, you know, that like any money that comes in from that, that's just pure royalty, like straight straight to creators. Um, I also, you know, art it just takes longer. Like mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm I'm a writer, and every deal that I go into. I, you know, find, find the artist and I say like, all right, what do you need to get paid? Make sure that happens first. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm doing a book right now where it's like the amount of money that we had as an advance, we're just like, you know, that's, that's enough just to pay the artist. Well, give it all to him. Like I'll, I'll take my money on the back end. Uh, Because it just, you know, I, I always joke about like, I did this green lantern, new gods event. And um, there was one, like the, the big issue that opened it, it was like, you know, page one, you go through, you're in outer space. And then page two, like you flip and it's like a, I think it was like a four or eight page gatefold. And it's just the source wall. And like, literally mm-hmm. for me to write it, it's like pages, you know, two through whatever, the source wall, exclamation <laughs> mark. And I'm like, here, here you go. Enjoy the next week. Right. Yeah. yeah. We did um, this equally. <laughs> right, right. So, so for this, you know, there there are some artists that actually didn't, you know, didn't want to take money up front. Um, but for the most part, what I'm doing is saying like, okay, as long as we can hit, you know, this like threshold that we think is a pretty minimum achievable mark, there's going to be a page rate for art teams, and it's, you know, it's like a a very low guarantee. But it's just my way of saying like, hey, let's commit to making sure that artists are paid first. And so that's, uh, that's the plan. And now do you feel like, is that a rare, are people reacting to you like, oh, wow. Are they like, oh, great. Like that, you feel like that's what a lot of other people are doing when they put a book like that. Um, I I don't know. Like I I certainly haven't had anyone come to me and say like, oh my gosh, like you're actually paying for an anthology. You know, I know, I know some of the other anthologies out there um, do, do a similar model. but you know, I, I like the benefit ones. You know, you're you're donating your time. Yeah, um, right. Well, let's talk about Zoop a little bit. We've had a lot of Zoop creators on the show, but right now uh, you're looking to get ten thousand dollars, and you are up to over nineteen thousand dollars, almost twenty thousand dollars right now, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What are the stretch goals there? Obviously, you have. I'm looking through it right now, and we scanned through it earlier for people who are watching on video but you can get a lot of different iterations on the book, which is awesome. Hardcovers, there's a retailer bundle, hardcover and three art prints. Um, 
but do you have do you have further things you're looking to offer if it continues to grow over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, we we kind of continue to add like as as the artists are are turning in new work, you know, people keep putting stuff up, original art for sale, so that'll continue to pop up. Like we just um I'm trying to think of uh Scott Morse, like he he does these incredible like so he's a, a Pixar Disney artist. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, back in the day did comics and like some of the most beautiful comics that that you'll ever see. And so he's doing these um, hand painted pages. And so he actually put a, um, like he does them panel by panel. So it's not, you know, that you get a full oh, wow. page, but it's, it's this big hand painted panel. That's mm-hmm. incredible that, that we just added. So there'll be more coming up there. Uh, really, you know, it's like, as it goes bigger, the, the great thing is it, it affords us the ability to add more um, story content. So those are the stretch goals of, you know, we can expand the book, expand the book. Like, and like I said, like I've got this really long list of, of creators and friends that, that want to be part of this thing that I, I have uh, hopefully not pissed off too much. Um, <laughs> and I reach out to him was like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I promise. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, I, I hope that people support it so that uh, fewer people will be mad at me and I can get more awesome people in the book. Uh, and then we just added today the stupidest, uh, stretch goal ever because it's it's like it's it's such an irrational weird project um so i was at heroes con over the weekend and um alex morrissey who's a, a podcaster and former marvel artist he he was like you know you should do you should have a stretch goal that you'll get a tattoo of stardust oh. <laughs> <laughs> so i was like you know what all right so if we hit 50k Wow. <laughs> it's on. Nice. Awesome. It's, it's got enough stretch to it where it's like, you know what? This may we may hit it, we may not. If we do, I'll be happy yeah. enough to um have some permanent skin uh changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I I was like I mean I might do I'm uh, I probably wouldn't do it anyway, but if forced. I will, <laughs> I will do it, I will document it, I will uh I will send it what, out to the what world. What do you think? Neck? Where yeah, are you headed? Like lower back? What are you doing? I face face tattoo. What I'm leaning towards is like um, like thigh tattoo, like you know, mm. kind of like relatively mm. small thigh tattoo. So it's like when I'm wearing swim trunks, so it'll just be like, oh, little okay. stardust there. Oh, not so, upper thigh. I was going to say that you don't want to do oh, upper thigh because they're going to want to see it. And I'm, oh yeah, uh, yeah, no, no one wants that. Yeah, literally no one. I do want to ask you the risk. The risk of a tattoo, it depends on how many tattoos you have. So if you are if you have like 20, then it's like throw another on the pile. If you're like, I have one, I have one little uh, skull in my arm. Yeah, no, I'm a, I've got two small ones that are matching. So it would, it would. So uh, this would change the whole game. It really would. The ecosystem would be different. <laughs> the hierarchy of power on your body would change. I, I did want to ask you about another project that I believe was just announced today called Tear Us Apart that you're doing with Jay Baruchel. Uh, what could you t- tell us about this? How did this project get set up, first of all? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Jay, um, I mean, I assume most people know Jay as the, yeah. the voice of um, Hiccup and How to Train Your Dragon and like all the, it was in Undeclared, all the Judd Apatow movies. It's in The um, Goon. Yeah. 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 He uh, co wrote The Goon. Yeah. And I did. then uh, wrote and directed the sequel. Um, 
So yeah, so Jay was involved with this Canadian publisher and and this is years back, like I got asked to go and kind of help them like coach up their writers a little bit. And and then I went up to to Canada and and like I, I assumed he was like one of those people that's like, oh, I'm a famous person, like I'm just gonna put my name <laughs> on this thing. But he was like he was in there. Like no. he was, yeah, he was <laughs> doing it. Um, and he's just like I don't know we just really hit it off he's a very down-to-earth you know normal dude for being very famous um so so that company kind of uh <laughs> fell apart basically mm -hmm. uh through, through no fault of jay's um and so we were you know he just really loved comics so i connected him to marvel and dc and he got to do stories there and then we were just talking we we're like you know why don't we just do a creator-owned book um mm. So this is an idea that he had, and it's it's like there's a there's a cult in hidden in like middle of nowhere Canada that trains assassins, and this is all in the the '90s. And it's a very like '90s like low budget action movie kind of mm -hmm. vibe was was what we were going for because that was both what we grew up on, and and so it's all these kids that get trained to be assassins. And it's just about these two kids and they, they fall in love, which is like rule number one is there's no place for love. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's just a story of them like going on the run and they just want to be, you know, left by themselves, but like they have to kill so many people to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sounds great. And I feel like Pete in particular is going to love this book. Yeah, that's rom-com rom with violence yeah, uh, yeah exactly yeah. that's my that's wheelhouse great. right there <laughs> yeah and it's um the the artist is uh alessandro michelli who um mm -hmm. is this brilliant italian artist i mean just uh yeah he so he's he's doing everything by hand like hand colored all of it and i um, mean he actually he flew over to heroes con so we spent the weekend like we shared a hotel room and tabled next to each other. And it was just one of those things where it was like, we had, you know, like emailed and talked on the phone and that, but it's like, all right, like now we're brothers. Like, <laughs> we, you know, he's, he's great. Just like, yeah. Amazing, amazing guy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're stoked about it. So yeah, September that comes out. And then, uh, and Jesse and I are, I keep forgetting about it, but our graphic novel, um, I forget because I'm in the midst of a home renovation and like had to move out. So my life is, I don't, my house normally doesn't have a, a purple wall in the office. Hey, I like that. It looks, looks nice. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with the purple wall, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe when we move back into our house. Um, I thought yeah, it was so, a happy birthday grimace. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely the vibes. Definitely the vibes. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Jesse Lonergan and I have a book from IDW coming out uh, July 11th. So like three weeks. Hmm, that cool. is out. That's called yeah. Arca. That's a, like a sci-fi graphic novel. Ooh, and what? Who is that out from? Uh, it's part of the IDW Originals line. Oh yeah, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. That line has been very good so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm really impressed. Yeah. So excited for you. Yeah, book. yeah. They, I mean, the editors there, are great. They, they really, they brought in a good team. That was, I kind of got in because there was a lot of people I knew from DC and Vertigo. Um, and then yeah, I've got. I can't say too much about it, but um, I've got an ongoing series coming from them early next year that. Um, it's like it's I'm as excited about that book as like as anything I've ever done. It's uh, awesome. Wow. It, it's going to be a good one. Cool. Uh, that's great. 
Well, I'm excited for it too. Then I'm excited for all of this stuff. Yeah, I can't then wait to read all this stuff. Congratulations on the success with Super Wizard. I can't wait to check out the book when it's totally finished, and I can't wait to check out the rest of the stuff that you're working on as well. Thanks so much for and coming. And your out home tonight. renovation. Looking forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the number one thing. That's the number, number one. Thing. Oh yeah, number one. Absolutely. No, it's I'm sure uh, it's very chill. Yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, it's terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> awesome, Ben. Have a great night. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you. Thanks, man. All right. There we go. Once again, that is Van Jensen. You can check out Zoop's Stardust, the Super Wizard, right now, and pledge it for the next couple of days. It is so cool. If you didn't get to see it, the pages are great. The creator lineup is great. It's Uh, bananas. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Why don't we move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience question. (laughs) And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the comments, either on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Now, this week, as you all know, probably if you listen to the show or watch the show, Straight Bullet, a.k.a. Straight Bullies, a.k.a. Brent Macris, a.k.a. Thank You Chef, has... Uh, curated a cocktail for us every week. This week, it's margaritas. Do your favorite margaritas. I made a relatively basic margarita with some mezcal, Grand Marnier, simple syrup. I like how you juice. said basic and then just named like a bunch of things and that were like fancy. Grand Marnier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It used to be called a Cadillac margarita, I believe. It did. Uh, um, I just finished mine, but I had uh, sort of a basic margarita, but I added some grapefruit juice, Aperol, and this stuff, which is a sage flower simple syrup that I Ooh. look at that color. That's a purple wall right there. Dude, that's what, sweet. Making your own moonshine? What the fuck is this <laughs> going on in the jars, bro? I've been the only adult in my home for over a month. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, what about you? Are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking Bud Light uh, with lime. Oh, uh, okay. Champagne of beers. Um, I don't have. Uh, you know, margarita mix, uh, nor do I think uh, tequila is uh, that enjoyable. I had to swear it off. I had a couple mm. real rough nights on tequila and just walked away clean. You so. don't drink tequila? No, no. I've, yeah, I, just some alcohols don't mix. You know, like some people can't drink, some people can't smoke. You know, I just, uh, tequila and me don't go, uh, go well together. Is there a particular type of weed? Is your tequila a weed? (laughs) I don't know what you're referring to. In case my parents are listening. Oh, boy. I got you. It's legal in most states now. It's fine. Exactly. What are you hiding from? Uh, All right. Did you work for High Times briefly? (laughs) I don't. Know yeah. what you're referring like, to, Dad, and I this is a, this is a magazine about the top floors the of a skyscraper. We write. We're doing a feature about the Empire State Building, one of the highest buildings in the world. Mother, right. father. All right. Why don't we get to some questions here? This is the most important one, right off from Stray Bullet. Where's the washer and dryer, Pete? Yeah, uh, you're in a hey, different room today. What's going on? Right. Are you all right? Hey. Yeah, so shooting a softcore pornographic film in a hotel room. In- I'm out of the basement. My uh, brother and his family are on a vacation, so I've got his house to myself. Are you sleeping in his bed? Holy. No, that's oh, creepy okay. as fuck, that's dude. Weird. What the fuck was that? You definitely are. You no, are. I don't want to sleep with my. You're brother pretending sleeps. to be your brother, right? What? You're walking like around in his clothes, doing the Buffalo yeah. Bill dance. No, man. No, that's that's a little too weird. <laughs> 
All right. We got an actual one here. Uh, I don't know if this is, I guess this is a question. The Obvious Soul Art Show says, I'm catching up the archives on Patreon. I just got to the episode of 2011 where Justin finds out that Pete loves the Step Up movies. Would you all ever consider doing a Step Up podcast for Patreon? Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, first off, that's heartbreaking now because this movie brought two people together. They fell in love, found dance and, and love at the same Alex, time. Right? No, I'm not talking about me and Alex. And now they are no longer together in the step-up movies of, you know, I mean... Are you I, talking about Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan, formerly Tatum? Yeah, Jenna Dewan Tatum, Dewan. you mother. Oh, put some respect on yeah. her name. <laughs> what is... This is shocking me yet again that you're uh, correcting the name pronunciation. Something, as we read the names every month, that you very much... I murder, yeah. I mean, you yeah, so couldn't even say Jay Baruchel. I, I couldn't even... I almost started laughing when you pronounced that name. Wait, what did I do? You like Jay Bar? Uh, Bar I don't even know what I you said. said. Baruchel. Is that wrong? Yeah, it's Baruchel. Oh, Baruchel. Uh, I think because Alex. <laughs> oh, I was in the Freaks Geeks. I think Alex is also a fan of the Step Up movies. I am a fan so, of the Step Up movies. Yeah, I we both have this I, in common. There's I have never seen them. Oh, I, I will say there's enough now that you legit could do a whole podcast about them because it's not just the step up movies. There's multiple seasons of the star show and spinoffs that I've never seen. Yeah. So I think the answer is yes, absolutely. We need to do step up to the podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. Pablo Martinez says, what kind of question is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I will mention no. just because I will never turn down a plug. We always mention this at the end of the show, but patreon.com slash comic book club. You can get our back archive of podcasts stretching back to from 2011 to 2022. Literally thousands of podcasts for you to live to. Some of them that aren't online on Apple anymore, just because that's the way that Apple works. But there you go. I will say we should listen. Maybe if uh, the listeners out there could flag a podcast of us that we should listen to and just a reabsorb and we could do like a reaction. We podcast. should do a rewatch podcast for our podcast. I don't know well, about that. That like, seems I know a little that's too a little weird. bit like yeah. self-aggrandizing yeah. and whatnot, but I'm sure there's some absolute insanity on some of those podcasts. <laughs> it is worth rehearing. Yeah. Uh, here's a question. This is very Pete focused. I'm sorry, but I'm just going through stuff in order. This is from Derek Mainhart. Is Pete's sweet skull shirt a Punisher replacement shirt? Great question. Uh, I was no, wondering it's, myself. It's, it's a Skeletor. Uh, I'm mm. also a fan of Skeletor. Uh, you know, I, there's other skulls that uh, I can enjoy and appreciate. Pete Skeletor being one of them. Do you, do you think that the Punisher was just wearing a Skeletor shirt when he got started? And I don't think so. No, he specifically d designed that and designed it well. Do you remember uh, in the first issue of The Punisher, in his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man, he talks about he thinks that his family was killed by some sort of He-Man. And uh, so he wears a Skeletor shirt for the man who hates He-Man the most. And that's where it comes from. He-Man. Sam Heron, He-Man. Because I feel like Punisher, a great enemy to him would be Skunkor. Any <laughs> <laughs> to anybody, Dang. you know? Yeah, I will, as a follow-up to this, this was 100% not my impression off of Jason Aaron's Punisher issue, but at the end of his Punisher run, he, he kept the demon Punisher symbol, but he was like, my name is Frank, I'm Frank Castle, and spoilers here, but I've already gone into spoilers, he is banished to Weird World, so he's off there. Yeah. A lot of folks started running in, like, legit newspapers 
not newspapers. It legit yeah, news. Just... <laughs> printed in the front page of the New York the Times. New York Times. <laughs> the Wall Street Punisher Journal. In weird world. Yeah, weird. stock stock prices for the Punisher tanked that day. Uh, no, but there are a lot of people that rabbit the story of like, and I think it was particularly conservative media, but rabbit the story of like, Marvel is done with Punisher. That was not my impression off of that issue. Did you guys get that at all as well, or what no. did you take away from it? No, in fact, I'll speak first as the outsider Punisher guy. Like, I, I think this is a great move. The idea that it helps in the real world with all the Punisher symbolism that we, uh, is like political hot button, not something we want to do and have him just sort of going about his business. So to put him in a different place, I think that opens up, from a storytelling point of view, a ton of great creative spots for him. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely didn't occur to me when I read the comic. Um, you know, obviously the character is a little problematic. There have been a lot of images that are kind of gotten away from what they're supposed to be, which is uh, heartbreaking. I know personally um, I've seen images of the Punisher uh that made my heart sink. I, on the back of a truck, I saw the Punisher symbol with the Trump hairdo on top of it. And part of me died inside. Uh, so that was really rough, uh, to see, uh, something you love abused in that way. Can, can uh, I just mention, castle. just to interrupt, if there is any person who is not physically able to be the Punisher, it's Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a lot to unpack there. But anyways, sure. I just think that, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's one of those things where, you know, uh, even the Punisher in the comic has talked about this. So it is it's a crazy thing. But, yeah, I think Jason Aaron also proved that you can write an amazing, heartfelt, unbelievable, violent, you know, Punisher story and do it well. So... You know, in the right hands, it can be done well. Uh, otherwise, when left up to the masses, it's uh, it's a shit show. I also think approaching the Punisher through the other characters around him, like the Jason Aaron run was a Maria story, I feel like, and it's amazing. So like to find a, even a new character, sort of the way Tom King uh, handled the Supergirl series that he did, if you did that on Weird World uh, with uh, a great, with Jason Aaron or another writer just handling it. Very fun. Jason Aaron loves Weird World. Yeah. He does. Well, I'd also throw out there, I don't know at all what they're going to do, but even if they're like, nope, we're putting the name, the Punisher, and the symbol on ice for the indefinite future, which makes a lot of sense because as you're Pete, as you're mentioning, it's problematic right now. That doesn't mean it's done forever. Like everything in comics is cyclical. They're going to get to a point where hopefully people forget it. the most odious parts of our society, forget about the Punisher, and then they'll bring him back in some fashion. Or the stockholders will demand it and they'll bring him back in some fashion. That's just how comics works. And the idea that, I mean, the more interesting stories would be him without the skull on going mm -hmm. about uh, be, being trying to go back to a different life or something do like what's the punisher unforgiven story where he's you know a little older a little out of the game like there's a mm -hmm. million stories you could tell with him that aren't focused on him wearing a skull spandex t-shirt with a uh, there weren't always spandex me. motherfucker you know um mm -hmm. there was that movie wall? where the shirt washed in from the shore and then he, he put it on that was the best one right Pete? Oh. anyways my uh 
the the idea of it is a good idea of you know gives them something to sh- shoot where he has the Kevlar. It makes a lot of he sense. You could put a smiley face on there. Oh, what you know what he should do? He should put his face without <laughs> uh, on his shirt. Why do you need the skull? Hey, if you think about it, it, it is his is face his, under the is skin. His, is that wow? Think about that. Yeah. Is that his skull <laughs> on his shirt? Yeah, it is. Huh. Wow. Never really thought about that. Why don't we move on to another question? This is from Pablo D. Martinez. How do you think of the trailer for Craven the Hunter? Going to see it or not? I don't know if you guys have seen. Oh, I have. The new trailer that Sony dropped for Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter. Pete, since you've seen it, what's your reaction? You ever what been you so think? hungry you bit somebody else's nose off? You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was very violent and crazy. Uh, I it didn't feel like the Craven that I know from the comic books. So, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen better. I've seen worse trailers. <laughs> Who knows? I, I didn't see it and then think to myself, Oh, I'm gonna watch this. Uh, I was like, Oh, well, this is weird. Um, and also the rhino part kind of freaked me out a little bit. Well, I will say if I didn't know what, who Craven was, this might be cool. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like we, it's such a weird like not what Craven is in like nine ways. Yeah. Almost purposefully distancing it from Spider-Man, except they have like that shot of the spiders falling on him are in, is in the trailer twice. Mm-hmm. It was like a trailer is only a short amount of time. You're going to put two spider, the, the same spider scene. Not necessary. Yeah. It's, it feels very Sony to me. You know, I think Justin, you've called <laughs> out a couple of times that, what they're leading into is like 90s, 2000s superhero schlock, like pre. Yeah. It's crazy that Sony with Spider-Man, I, I mean, not to get like too into the continuity, obviously Blade kicked it off, but Spider-Man kicked it in high gear along with X-Men. But the fact that Sony is constantly like, we got to go back to before that period when people hated comic book movies is yeah. absolutely wild. But at the same time, like that's what worked for them with Venom. Like, that's what they're trying to lead into is not Spider-Man movies. They're trying to recapture that insane energy that made Venom a success with Venom 2, with Morbius, with this Craven movie, with whatever else they do, Madame Web, I guess. They're trying to make schlock, and there's a place for that, and there's a fun place for that. But I don't know. Uh, This trailer, like, like you said, Pete, I don't get it's stupid to me that they're like, oh, okay. So Spider-Man was bitten by a spider and he got spider powers and Morbius was bitten by a bat and he got bat powers. So clearly Craven was bitten by a lion and got lion powers. I'm like, that's not necessary. No, what happened was his cut was open wound that lined up perfectly with an attacking lion that just happened. His own blood just, and it just all went right in there. And oh man. It's just like, it's very much that 90s, 2000s superhero thinking where we need to be like, what is our excuse for this? You don't need that anymore, but whatever. More power to them, I guess. It it comes across in the movie like Dr. Doolittle asked. Like mm-hmm. he's talking to the animals. It's not <laughs> he's hunting them. He brings in. He's like, "Come on over here, other animals, and help me fight." I but saw I, somebody point out online uh, that they were like, "If you want to remake Beastmaster, just remake Beastmaster." Oh man, Beastmaster! Now we're but talking. I will say, in the midst of like the uh, the our comic movies overtakes this week, coming off the Flash failure. Like, I don't know, maybe their formula seems to be working better than, you know, a, just another multiverse story. What a lot of people perceive these 
MCU, DCU movies where it's just like, okay, what? This is com- complex and convoluted. You see that Craven trailer. If you don't know what this is, you're like, that looks sort of dope. He mm-hmm. fights. He gets attacked by a lion. Russell Crowe's like, your mom, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I appreciate that Russell Crowe has entered his... I'm going to do a B-movie with a stupid accent phase of his career. <laughs> Between that and The Pope's Exorcist, which is the most ludicrous... Day. Like, I could not believe that, that movie was, was a hit. That movie was a hit. Was it? it? Its no. Compared to its budget. That was sure. a win for, for that movie. Yeah. Way better. That movie's doing crushing compared to The Flash. And I bet Craven will crush compared to The Flash. So, yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, maybe Sony has a little bit more going for them I I saw the trailer and I was like, man, everybody hates lions right now. Like Idris Elba fought this giant like evil mm-hmm. lion, and now like this Craven. I was like, a lot of lion hating right now. Yeah. As a Leo, I don't appreciate it. Here here's the thing: it is a hard line to walk. But if the movie could be stupid but fun, versus a oh, lion, there you go. Uh, versus stupid but stupid, that's what it needs to hit. And yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, so I almost wish, an an- like... Rhino's an anamorph. Cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. I'm not quite sure I get this one. Maybe you guys can figure this out. This is from Kevin. What comic book movies not starring Superman would you like to see alternate versions of? Mm, I, I know what this is referring to. We yeah. were talking on the Patreon Slack. So we put out an episode today uh, where we watched both versions of Justice League, the Joss Whedon-directed version of Justice League and the Zack Snyder-directed version of Justice League. Off of that, on the Patreon Slack, we're talking about the different versions of Superman 2. So Kevin is wondering what other versions... Scott Pilgrim. I feel like I saw the best version that didn't make it to final... explain, Explain the situation of you seeing that and what happened. Well, me and the Zelbatron got early tickets of an no, early... No, the two of you. I, I didn't see it. Yeah, it was uh, you and Justin. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I'm pretty sure it was just Pete. I didn't go. Really? Okay, well, maybe it was just me. I thought I was somebody else. But anyways, uh, I went to the movie theater early for like, you know, like, hey, we're kind of... Uh, preview. Yeah, preview. Uh, getting audience reactions and you had to fill out paperwork, what you liked, all that shit afterwards. And, um, I, yeah. And what they did in this cut is they were trying to find out who Scott Pilgrim should end up with. And the one I saw was this adorable story about him realizing that his best friend all along is the one he should be with knives. Um, and so when the, uh, movie came out, uh, and it was a different ending, I was kind of like, uh, upset about the choice a little bit. Mm. Wow. Nice Well, I just feel like somebody that you want to hang out with and p- play video games, and you know that was his hanging out and fun, uh, would be someone you would want to you know be with. Yeah, you you know, wanted to date the person who's still in high school. No, well, that part was the weird, uncomfortable part, and I can understand why they made that decision. But as- <laughs> Pete, just real quick, just like lay out your favorite parts of underage sex. Go. Please. Oh my god, no. no. <laughs> your favorite parts. i'll throw out there we were just talking about venom i don't remember how many hours it is but uh tom hardy said that they have like five hours of deleted footage of that movie where it's just him riffing on stuff with himself as venom 
That's the best part of that movie is just him going absolutely bonkers. I thought it was him going into different restaurants and uh, eating uh, crazy food. That lobster scene is legitimately one of the best scenes in superhero cinema ever. It's ludicrous. I'd say it's so funny. Worst scene. Oh my god! It's so the way they make that movie is he just goes like Mm -hmm. the apparently the director or the writer and the director are in his ear, and he's just going. He's doing bits. He's doing whatever he wants. No one says cut until he's done. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, so release the uncut version of Venom. That's what I would like to see. Justin, do you got yeah. one? Uh, a movie that I want to see the alternate version of. I mean, the the bigger ones, I think. Like, what are the... The thing is, like, it feels like for as much as we know the MCU movies to be what they are, apparently the way they made them were was pretty wildly improvised. So... I'd like to see like what what was that first Iron Man? What is the alt cut of that? What because mm. those are sort of the basic texts that not, that so much of this has been based upon. Like what were the other things, and did they land on the best possible version of it? Because it'd be interesting to watch. Sort of like we were saying, we just uh, watched the uh, Snyder. Pete watched the Snyder cut, and we watched Justice League. And Alex watched both like a psychopath. And uh, <laughs> we talked about that. And what a great study to see all of that at once. Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, we got another question here. Let me find it. It's all the way down. Okay. Here we go. This is from Prime Energy. Do you think the big companies and in comic industry can learn anything from webtoons, webcomics in terms of digital releases versus just replicating their in-store model online? What do you guys think about that? I think that's a great it's surprising that they haven't pursued this not as a uh, a place to just release re-release other versions of the already made comics but like put an original series that is an interesting writer on a story that is native to webtoon that teaches the characters doing interesting things like there's a huge audience webtoon readership is way above regular comic readership It'd be a huge driver, I think. Well, I think also what it's great for is finding talent. You know, when you do something that's online, that's more accessible to different people, you can get more people in the door with different range of backgrounds and stuff like that. So you're getting different voices in there, which I think is important. And it's always great to see what people do with their shot. So I think that's really what the the important thing is, is, uh, you know, getting a lot of different people in the door and and seeing what they can do yeah i i don't know i i mean i know that's not necessarily a good answer but i think like i don't know the financial model of webtoons necessarily i do think there's a certain sense of like betting on yourself in terms of hey we're just going to put out this stuff people are going to read it mostly for free and scan through it and then you're going to check it out later but so i don't think that's ever going to happen with a marvel dc or anything like that but it's so much more successful than Marvel and DC is right now. Yeah. They gotta figure out something there. And yeah. here, here's the problem. The, the reason, like, I'm kind of negative, Nancy, about it a little bit is we on this show so many times have seen people try to do things like that, stretching all the way back to like Zuda, which was at the beginning of yeah. our, uh, which was a great idea to release stuff that was formatted for your screen instead of comic books. Some great creators, some really interesting stories. 
but ultimately it got sucked into the fact that they needed to sell the physical copies to make their monetary version of comic books work. And that's what it's always going to come back to. Like, I thought there was going to be a seismic change because of the pandemic. And even that, the brick and mortar stores, and legitimately, I'm not trying to turn them into the enemy or anything like that, but the brick and mortar stores are like, no, don't do that. Don't leave us behind. Stick with the model you have. And that's what they did. And I think there is a place where you can figure out how to service the brick and mortar stores while still pushing the comic book industry forward. Nobody... That's the thing, though, is finding that sweet spot because, like, I agree, you can't, you know, turn your back on the person who got you there. You know, the comic book stores have been the reason for all of this. So being like, F you, comic book stores, just doesn't make any sense. Finding out a way to, you know, um, and... I, I don't know what this is. I was kind of hoping that it would be one of those things where each store would kind of have their own website that would kind of like try to create, you know what I well, mean? They, where, they tried well, to I do that. That's, what, the, that's yeah. what they're afraid of, the brick and mortar stores, is that thing. But I, Webtoon, I feel like it's different than that. That's only a way to get more audience folded in because the people who are going to comic book stores now are going to keep going to comic book stores for those stories. Webtoon is a different format. It's like um, what's different the audience. series that, that Archie does where the, the sort of little Archie. Big Ethel Energy? Is that what you're thinking of? No, I'm thinking the one that it's like four panels and they're uh, – it's all Oh, Bite Size their, Archie, yeah. Bite Size Archie, yeah. Like that's what Marvel and DC should do on Webtoon. Stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like that that can just bring in new people and have them have a story. Like I, I used to read the – Stan Lee Spider-Man comic strip in the newspaper, and it was like two panels mostly that didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, "This is nice." Well, listen, we don't. I don't have any audience figures for like Marvel Unlimited or anything like that. I like a lot of the stories that I read when eventually they come to print and we read them that way. But that to me feels like their attempt at that, but it's a proprietary format that's playing to the base. Like it's saying, hey, if you already like Marvel Comics, read. Uh, this actually, I think, is a great example I'm going to throw out there. It's Jeff, the comic that Kelly yeah. Thompson writes that is about her land shark that was introduced in a Hawkeye and West Coast Avengers. That is something that they did as a digital comic. I don't know how many people read it as a digital comic, but when they collected it as a one-shot issue... I saw multiple retailers being like, please put out more of this. Yeah, people love it. People want it. Like at my local comic book store that I take my son to, they have a poster in the window because it draws people in because you have all the Marvel characters, the gory Hyo drawings that are very inviting with a lion shark that's smiling in the middle and people want that. Like people, I firmly believe, and obviously this is our bias here, but people want to read comics like they want to get into them they want to find them accessible and most of the time they're not and that's that's where webtoons has the advantage is you could jump in read all the stuff for free yeah exactly get completely obsessed for it and i'll throw out another specific example but like heartstopper i think is a great example of something that was on webtoon that like you could read the entire thing for free the graphic novels are still bestsellers because people are like, oh my God, this is great. I want to buy this and own this and have this on my shelf so I can show it off to people when they come over. And now it's a successful TV show on Netflix. So like, 
Obviously, that's a unique case, but that is a test case for what you could do here. And I'll get back. The last thing I'll throw out and stop monologuing, but Pete, you mentioned how do you serve it, you know, how do you make these two things work together? We've talked about this a million times on the show. Studies have shown that selling things in stores and then having them available online, one doesn't hurt the other. People still yeah. want to own the things more physically. Exactly. It's a way of exposing people. If you can get the brick and mortar stores to finally understand that, maybe we could move this industry forward. But as it is, we can't. It's unfortunate. We can. We we can do it, though. We can do we it. Can do it. Uh, and another thing we can do is move on to our next section, which is my second favorite section. Oh, oh man. Wow. Don't, don't put them in order, dude. That's not cool. It's my third favorite section. Oh! Complaining. It is trivia. Yeah. <laughs> and for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Pete, we don't have anybody for trivia now, but why don't you introduce it anyway? All right. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a part of the show. We give back to the lovely audience. Thank you so much for checking it out. It's an opportunity to win $25 free to make town comics online. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, you you answer some questions, you win $25, you get to buy some comics, it's a win-win. Great, nothing else to say about that. <laughs> it my, you said really uh, to talk, to and I did. All right, there he we go. Really landed. Uh, well, if anybody wants to do trivia, uh, just say I or me or whatever in the comics, and you're basically going to walk away with $25, happy to do it. Um, if not, we'll figure out a charity or something. Like yeah, that. we can just do the old charity. No, we've yeah. had a lot of people who have been uh, saying me in the comments lately, uh, so I feel like someone's going to jump in any yeah. minute now. Uh, tell you what, while we're waiting, why don't we take another audience question real quick, That's because I missed this one from Frederico Rosa. I've only seen Sweet Tooth Season 1. I was thinking about reading the comic, but I've seen people saying it is a lot darker than the show. What do you guys think? Uh, yes, it is darker than, um, I mean, the comic is a little bit darker, but it's also, there's, there's sweet, powerful moments, just like in the TV show. I think it's worth checking out. It's not too dark. It's not too scary. Um, it's just a little bit, I think the art kind of has a little creepiness to it, but it's not, it's not bad. I mean, I get turned off by stuff that is too scary and too creepy this is not that at all i wouldn't call it darker than the series it's a little more like on we it's a little more like sad if mm. anything or just like there's a, a weight to it it's definitely not more violent or, or, or uh, it's a little more dystopian i guess i would say because yeah. you're seeing with it more they're, they're very different takes on the same story i think if you like the show, check out the comic. You're going to get something different. If you like the comic, check out the show. Uh, but either way, I think the most important takeaway here is check out the Candy Men podcast that we did. <laughs> That's the most important thing. It's it caused essential... a lot of fights. A yeah. lot of fights. It's an essential companion to both the comic book and uh, the TV show at the same time. All right, we got a. There's a lot of here. responses here. Yes, Mike Cancel is going to do the trivia. So, Pete. If you're ready, all right, break. let's. Uh, uh, great, here we go. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend John Romita Sr. R.I.P. and thank you. Nice. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one 
Is DC stealing ideas from the Punisher? Let's hope so, because starting in mid-September, who will be writing Green Lantern War Journal? Is it A, Philip Kennedy Johnson, B, Stephen Ted Beckler, or C, Mahershala Ali? Only one of those is an actual comic book writer, and it was the first one I said. Wow. Really give it away the farm, Pete. You know it. You know it. Mm. All right. Well, let's assume he said A and move on. All right, here we go. Question number two. Starting, hey, he did. He did. All right. Starting in October, October, who will be taking over as writer for Captain Marvel? Is it A, Alyssa Wong, B, George Bennett Watson, or C, Heather B? Uh, great question. It's got to be one of those three choices, I would say. That's true. Oh, nice you call, Heather Alex. B? Heather B is a, a possible answer that we have to put together for the secret trivia, second trivia. Yeah, I will say, whatever it is going to be, I'm very impressed that you came up with something for John Romita Sr. that is a TV show or a movie. All right. Uh, Mike is right. Alyssa Wong is correct. Looking forward to that. Question number three. Speaking of October, just before Halloween, who is writing Marvel Zombies Black, White, and Red? Is it A, Garth Ennis, B, Marston Fobbs, or C, Method Man? Hmm. What's happening with the trivia right now? What are the Bs becoming? Ooh, you know what the bees are. Are they killer bees? Nope. Nope. Is it a Wu-Tang Clan thing? Killer bees? Ooh, that's fun. And I appreciate the fact that you know that. Uh, But no, it's still, every bee answer is still a nod to Ted Lasso. Come on! And uh, Mike is right. It's Garth Ennis. Hey, there we go. Well, congratulations, Mike. You have won a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Just email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we'll get that off to you. But Pete, what is... Ooh, Kevin says, do we have to name the episode of Luke Cage? Ah, Kev, you are correct. You see... I'm talking about the 2016-2018 hit TV show Luke Cage because he was credited uh, because they used certain comics and certain images in the show based on his art, which I thought was very respectful of a show to do to give that kind of detailed credit to the source material, um, which I thought was nice. But uh, in all seriousness, John Romita Sr., just absolute legend of art that I've, just unbelievable. I've, I've been impressed with the, the news coverage of uh, John Romita Sr.'s death. There's been a fair amount of it that I've yeah. heard, like in depth, deep dives. It's been very cool yeah. with John Romita Jr. doing some press and other people. Uh, Pete, let me ask you though, who are you shouting on Ted Lasso? Like random people? No, if you uh, do a little research, because uh, last week it was too easy, they played uh, like the person I, I said in um, in Luke Cage, uh, Stephen Ted Beckler plays Nate, and we all know Nate is from uh, Ted Lasso, and then George Bennett Watson plays Higgins. So, uh, and then, uh, so fun, fun little nods. And then the third one plays a character called Keely. 
It is fun, or, or a desperate way of holding on to the last remnants of your fading uh, passion. Hey, you know what? Go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> As we all know, new comic books are coming out all the time. What are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? Pete? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, Wild's End, number one, was uh, particularly creative and enjoyable. Great. That's Justin, nice. what about you? What are you looking forward uh, to? We got a great stack coming up because there's a lot of great stuff. I thought for sure Pete was going to shout out Incredible Hulk number one by Philip Kennedy Johnson, which was is a fun one. Wonder Woman 800, oh, I yeah. thought, just really uh, brought it together, but it's going to be hard to beat. Nightwing number 105. That mm. came out. Oh, uh, came dude, out you love that. You love the uh, relation. I love it. You get to ride as Nightwing through the issue. Just continuing to innovate each issue and the relationship ship between um, you love between it. he and Barbara. You is love just it. Satisfaction. Like you said, lots of great stuff coming out this week. But in terms of hype level, I think Ultimate Invasion number one, just in terms of curiosity. Oh, you got boy, I can't wait to Hickman, get into that with you. Hitch revisiting the Ultimate Universe in a big way going to be very fascinating to talk about that and many more books on our stack podcast that comes out wednesday at 9 a.m in the comic book club feed and its own dedicated stack feed so check that out and folks that is it for this week's show a couple of people we want to thank we want to thank james aquilone for come on to talk about dead detective society also van jensen for talking yeah. about zoops stardust the super wizard Next week, we have a packed show for you. Ed Gross is going to be here to talk about Voices from Krypton, the unofficial, authorized, unauthorized history of Superman. Also, I yes. use Jama Everett and Tristan Roach to talk about The Last Count of Monte Cristo. And oh, Edgardo Mirando Rodriguez to talk about Lar Bargaro Quena, Volume 1 Omnibus. I mangled that. I'm sorry. A couple of things okay. to plug here. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast. We just Sons cooked out gun. the breakup of breakup breakdown of Justice League, as we so mentioned, and The up. Flash coming soon. Marvel Vision, Secret Invasion, kick it off later tonight. Wow. Episode up for How you do we have time for that? I honestly don't know. Riverdale After Dark, Riverdale Podcast, running weekly, weekly, patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe weekly. on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram or TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. <laughs> <laughs> Be back.